listeners, and welcome back aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and today is the second half of my conversation with Mr. Chris Pocock and John Walker, the webmasters behind ClassicDoctorWhoProps.com. So we're going to keep talking about their amazing collection and uh, props, costumes, and more. So stick around, and here we go. I know that you bought a number of these from Colin and Sylvester themselves, and they had it in their personal collection. But were other of these uh, often used in exhibitions before they were sold at Bonhams? Let's think. I know Colin's coat was in the shop at Longley. It was in a big display cabinet. And I used to, every time I went down to Longley, I used to kind of press my face against this cabinet going, I want that. Um, <laughs> and then it went off to the big uh, mommy exhibition and was displayed there. Same with the first Sylvester Umbrella, that was at, displayed at Longleat. Same as the Tetraps, they were both at Longleat and then Mommy. It seems to be that they all sort of went, were in exhibitions of some kind until sort of, I don't know, early 90s, something like that. Yeah, Sylvester said that to us that he had his costume um, for promotional use, and I think Colin had the same sort of took it for promotional uses and just kept hold of it. Yeah, rather nice. Not something I hear about uh, too much today with actors in their costumes. <laughs> one thing, one thing, Nicola Bryant said to us that after filming, uh, you know, a Pacific story, they were actually asked, "Do you want to purchase your costume?" And actors could purchase their costumes at the time for that relevant story. I've also heard, I think, I can't remember what commentary it was on in one of the DVDs, but I think Janet Fielding was saying that she ended up with some of her costumes because J&T said that people were trying to nick them or something, so she was told, I'll take these home. We need to get them. Huh. Well, subsequently, you mean her, Janet um, Tegan's air stewardess costume, she threw in the bin because the moths had eaten a part of it, so she just chucked it away. Oh, that's a shame. But you kind of think, how how badly damaged was it? Yeah. But then yeah, Sarah, Sarah Sutton got nothing. Absolutely, she didn't get any of her costumes, and she was quite upset that she never really got anything. She would have liked to have had something. Yeah, she really liked her costume. The, especially, yeah, the, the, the main one we all think of with the puffy sleeves and the velvet. Yeah, that was a great outfit. Really unfortunate. Um, so uh, tell me about the ace jacket. Is there any significant difference between the stunt version and what would be considered the hero version? Mm-hmm. No, nothing at all as far as we can see. Um, we've seen both up close now. Um, no, no, there's not, no difference at all. We've got the ace symbol on the back. The badges. All the badges are there. The level of detail is, is really good. The, some of the badges are sewn on with um, invisible thread. 
so they don't drop off during filming. It's actually quite a comfy jacket to it wear. It is actually, yeah. Quite lightweight. Um, ours has got a bit of water damage. Um, some of the badges have gone a bit sort of mouldy slightly. They've gone green like it's um, not rust, but like it's oxidised. Yeah, sort of sea damage. Was this the one that uh, she took the uh, the you know the the dump in the drink in uh, Silver Nemesis? Yeah, it certainly was. It, apparently, the guy that got it work, was working on the program at the time, and after the sort of the, the shoot for the water scenes, uh, he was given the jacket as a thank you, which we were like, wow. <laughs> and it can't, you know, we got all the paperwork with it, and yeah. so that was quite sort of a cool piece. But the the sad thing, well, no, it's not sad really. It's you get these items, it doesn't matter what it is, and you will spend days, weeks, months checking DVDs out to make sure they are correct. And with Sophie's jacket, you get it in the right light and you can see all, the, all these pinholes. So you can start putting pins in to match, you know, a story. And we matched it to Remembrance completely. I'm sorry, but on, on pinholes? Yeah. Yeah. I know it sounds strange because you, if you look at Sophie's jacket in Remembrance, there are so many badges over that jacket. So if you start putting in pins, you know, sort of new badges where these holes are, you can you can literally screen match it. It sounds really odd. But we did that with Colin. His coat, the collar is completely different. He's got three coats and the collar is cut completely different. So you right. have to match the collar to what to the to the various stories. Same with Nicola's jacket; the cut on that is different, so you can yet again screen match it. It's it's a lot of work involved to actually screen match something. I never sort of comes with all the paperwork, but you never sort of say it's dead right until you can prove it. I'm sorry. So again, uh, the authenticity is is uh, always. Mm. Well, I don't want to say it's always in question, but you always need to make sure then, right? Yeah, always make sure. So, um, and then in terms of uh, replicas, I mean, obviously, I know you, you have the uh, the Clothier's Six Doctor coat, which was fabulous. Thank you again for letting me wear it at Time Quest. It was a, it was a joy to wear. I, it's funny how much I really enjoyed being the Sixth Doctor, by the way. It's a liberating <laughs> costume, to say the least. Uh, and I know between uh, the the group runs uh, I've done and, and Steve's fabulous work, you've got a, a fabulous uh, Peter Davison replica, um, and so forth. Now, do you um, uh, do you prefer? Obviously, you prefer having the original. That's a silly question. But uh, do you like having these high end replicas to kind of augment the the collection, so to speak? Yeah, I, I mean, I do like a, a replica. Um, the, our biggest surprise the, once we'd got the cloth is because we'd when we purchased the Clothier's costume we obviously went for both style waistcoats the vervoid one and the teddy bear one and i thought they were awesome absolutely brilliant until we got the originals and i realized that the color was completely wrong on both waistcoats <laughs> yeah the color the material pretty much everything really so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a letdown in a way but i think <laughs> i think with replica costume for me they've got to be Perfect. They've got to be well. No, I mean what what I'd say with with like replica um, doctor the, the doctor's costumes is I think it depends on the doctor. With all the eighties ones, because they're so costumes um, up that I think they do have to be as close as people can get them. But I think, for example, like with John Pertwee, 
I think there's a little bit of latitude there. I, I think is you know if you've got the the, the, the free shirt and the, and the velvet jacket and stuff, I don't think it has to be absolutely spot on, you know, to the colour and everything. Yeah. Whereas you know with with, with the eighties ones being more customized, I, I think he did. You know, doesn't need to be a bit closer. There was also more variance with the 70s doctors than there was with the 80s, so it, it helps to really hone it in as opposed to the other, where, you know, Pertwee actually switched his jackets and shirts and, you know, boots and shoes and such. I think that's why we kind of help out on on things that we can, like with Steve Ricks. You know, we've given him full access to Colin's costume, and he's taken every possible photo yeah. and well, measurement and everything on it to sort of, so we can create this excellent replica when it eventually kind of comes out well that's the hope is to get the most the, the nearest the closest um screen you know accurate six coats ever you know he's scanned the material he's getting it all weaved you know he's doing an amazing job and he's not rushing it but to make sure that it's going to be right so we say as, as john said we've given him full access um, to, to the coat and the waistcoats and all the bits. I know he's already done things like the, um, the cravats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he said, keeps he like he sends us samples of material and says, "Is this colour right?" And we go, nope. "No." <laughs> and we say, "Right, we'll come down and we'll go back down and see him, and he'll get more swatches out to kind of match material." Um, but so far, he's got everything dead right. We, um, yeah, he's. He's doing such a great job. Yeah. I can't wait. I keep saying to him, come on, hurry up. I can't wait to get a new six coat. Then the clock in the coat will go. <laughs> That's it. You, you, you've got what's... Sorry, I'm no. sorry, you've got what's considered the best on the market uh, replica coat from Cloth Years. You've got the original coat, but yet you're such a Six fan, you got to get another great replica. And don't get me wrong, I'm right there with you. I am eagerly waiting for uh, my own coat as well. So uh, it's just funny to me. I'm like, you've got the original, you know? <laughs> What was interesting is um, a few months ago we helped the collectible art company. We gave them full access to photograph Sylvester's costume for their limited edition print run that they're doing. Yeah, the costume designs. And he has got Colin's coat from trial. So I said to him, look, I'll agree to do this if you bring the trial coat. And he said, well, okay, you bring your coat. And we went down and met him, and the trial coat was probably one of the worst made coats. It was it was just like wearing a sack. There was no sort of lining inside it. It was the same pattern for Colin, but they just extended the front slightly. And it was bizarrely, although obviously they'd used, you know, the, what was left of the materials of the first two coats, it was a lot lighter. Yeah, a lot, very lightweight just didn't sit right i mean the, the, the one that we've got is surprisingly heavy i mean i can only imagine how horrible it would have been to be in that full costume under all the studio lines it really really gets hot just generally but... wow that's fascinating i mean you know i, I guess it makes sense that uh, there was a lot more location work i think in season 23 they probably wanted to put him in something later maybe he even complained about the heavy coat well the bizarre thing is because we were able to um ascertain that there were these three coats by the by the cut of the collar we thought right what we'll do is we'll sit down this is very sad but we'll sit down and we'll watch trial and make a note of you know which coat is used when 
And actually, the, the, the brand new code that they made for trial is hardly used. Um, it's used in that deleted scene in Mysterious Planet when they step out of TARDIS in the rain. And then once they cut to them walking through the forest, it's actually R-code. And all through Mindwalk, he uses R-code. And it's only really Vervoids that he uses this new trial code. It's really bizarre. You would have thought with this new one that they'd be like, right, it's, it's new and we've gone to trouble of making it and it's obviously cleaner and everything else. But no, they, they don't really seem to use it that much. Very on. It is very odd, but you said it didn't seem to sit right. Maybe they didn't like the way it photographed compared to the other two. Yeah, maybe. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, I have to thank you guys uh, for all the help you've been giving to uh, the replica runs. I mean, beyond Steve, you've been a huge help with the uh, Sylvester McCoy sweater run. Uh, and it's because of you that it is as good as it is. That's nice. It's nice to actually see people wearing them. And you think, oh, that's really cool. You know. I mean, when, when you did the, that the first run and we got ours and we were like, wow, you know, this is really, really good. But, you know, obviously the first first thing we did really was go, right, let's, let's put it up against the original. And you're like, ah, oh, uh-huh. the colours are really different. But then at first we didn't have the original. It was, it right. was quite a while later that we got the original. It was the first thing we did was yeah. to compare the two. But then it was quite weird for us, though, when you know, to get us, you know, a really good color match to cut these threads out of the jumper. Well, the good thing was, <laughs> I mean, the jumper, the original jumper, is not in great condition. Um, where he's had the braces on underneath, it's um, rubbed, so there's little holes, little holes where where the braces are and quite a big hole at the front. Um, and so when you turn the jumper inside out, actually there's a lot of loose threads. So actually it, it sounds absolutely diabolical that we were there cutting out threads of the jumper to send off to the knitters, but actually they were pretty loose anyway, you know, we only... But then that's the only way you're going to well, get a proper, you know, screen mm. accurate... Well, this is it, you know... You can take photos and stuff, but the colour always looks a bit different. And so we would have been just back and forth with the knitters going, well, is this right? Well, no, it's not. That needs to be dark or lighter, and send that back, and then just backwards and forwards. So this way, it's just like, nah, there you go, there's the threads. Crack on. <laughs> but, um, it was it was cool to do it, and I'm really pleased that it's um, gone down so well, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, again, a big thank you, because uh, they, they look amazing, and it's probably the best copy we're ever going to have of these things. It almost makes you wish Daypal had put this level of effort, but then again, you know, that was, what, 20 years ago? So Yeah, that's right. Much like the Steve Ricks coat for Colin Baker that we're all anxiously going, ooh, ooh, when will we see this? Because uh, I did like, try on that. Sorry. I say, Steve's even moulded the buttons. He's got someone that's the buttons are bot on for that coat you can't any I, I heard that yeah. yeah and now it's like because he, he molded all the buttons for the waistcoats you this know is, this is it. as i said before he, he is not rushing it he wants it to be absolutely perfect otherwise there's just no point in doing it so it is taking a while but i say when it actually happens it's going to be amazing I'm sure it will be. I cannot wait. And I know when he first uh, approached me about these uh, a year, year and a half ago, I was like, yes, please sign me up because I felt so bad to have missed out on those cloth ears coats, which then were the best you could do and still are fabulous, fabulous coats. 
But I oh, thought it was so funny when Steve was looking at it, uh, all the differences he was noting, like, oh, we could get this better, we could get this better. And I'm just like, you, I, I mean, I didn't care because I got to wear it and go, yay! <laughs> I get to play as the sixth doctor today. But I understand where he's coming from. But it's like the level of detail, like, when, you know, once we'd got, once I'd purchased the cloth ears coat, the first thing I did was cut the felt caps out to put them in that go up the side of the lapel on the inside. To match uh-huh. the original. Of course, of course, because you have to do that. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. I wondered if Clothiers had done that, but you did it. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, because originally um, the idea of the, the cats was after every story, Colin said, let's sew a cat into the, into the inside of the coat for every story I do. And then when it got to trial, we said, look, this is actually a rubbish idea. They cut them all out and threw them all in the bin. So Colin sort of picked up a handful <laughs> And has sort of auctioned a few off over the years. And he had kept two, which we got off him. And then another a guy in Australia contacted us. And he I got one of these black cats. I think it ought to come back to you and go back into the coat where it belongs. And the good thing is with the coat is you can still see the, um, thread, marks. the thread marks where they all went. So we just have them sort of very lightly tacked back in again. Nice. So they're exactly where mm-hmm. they were. Yep. Back where they belong. Um, so, uh, in all the years you've been doing, this sounds like you've been at it for a good 15, 20 years. Uh, what uh, would you say is the most important thing you've learned collecting screen-used costumes? Probably paperwork. Um, very boring, but just make sure that if, if you're getting original stuff, it doesn't matter what kind of paperwork it is, get, some, get something with it. Because if you then try and sell it on, that's what everyone asks for. If you haven't got any paperwork to go with it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. I always also ask, do you have any um, beginning advice for anyone starting out in the hobby? Um, don't. No. <laughs> You'll save yourself a lot of money if you don't. <laughs> right. Um, the, the thing is that we never really set out as such to have it as a collection. You know, It was just like, oh, we've got a couple of bits, and then something would come along and we'd go, yeah, we quite like that. And so it was a good few years sort of into it before we actually started going, actually, we're kind of getting a room full of stuff going here. It's almost like a collection that's starting some more stuff in. I think it's important. I mean, with us, when we did start collecting, we collected everything and anything. Mm. And then you kind of get to the point where you end up with a whole room that's jam-packed with stuff. And we suddenly just made the decision, look, we need to actually hone this collection in to what we actually want, which was sort of costumes or props from the sixth Doctor and the seventh Doctor. So everything else, including replicas, we got rid of. You know, when we used to have Sea Devils, Silurians, Ice Warriors, all you know, all replica. But it's not. The problem is, it gets to a stage where you've got so much stuff that you can't get into the room anymore, and it all starts looking very messy, and you can't see anything displayed properly. Um, so in the end, you just think, no, you know, you want to be able to sort of go in, the, go into the room and enjoy looking at the stuff you've got. So yeah, we sort of thin down. <laughs> I completely understand that. I think that goes for anybody in any collection. There comes a point where it's just too much. You're collecting to collect, and yeah, yeah. it's better if you hone it in mm-hmm. and you make it nice mm-hmm. and displayable and uh, and clean. And, and then it's it almost mm-hmm. it it makes it shine more. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. with my costume replicas, I focus on 
one uh, one favorite doctor. I'm not trying to do all the variants. I'm not trying to do all the companions or anything like that. So one day I want to do, you know, like in that comic book of The Forgotten, I'd like to display all of the doctors around the room. So, you know, you've got one era, you know, per doctor represented, which I think would be great. Mm, that would be cool. That would be nice, actually. Uh, what... What would you say is your? I mean, it's probably a pretty obvious, but what would you say is your favorite costume in your collection or item? And uh, what has been your favorite standout experience doing this? Well, the, the favorite costume has got to be Colin's. Yeah, definitely. It's got to be the, the sixth doctor there. Although I say I, I do love the, the Perry costumes. So having the two together is is amazing. I, I love that. Definitely, I think those. You know, it's nice to have those two, you know, the, the costumes together, as you say, Doctor and Companion from that story sort of set up in, in the prop room. And it, it does always, it always makes me smile when I see them, you know, I'm always like, I'm so, so pleased with all those. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in terms of like the best experience, I think it's got to be dealing with Colin and Sylvester. Yeah, they are so, appreci- you know, they appreciate the fans so much and they talk about their time on Doctor with so much sort of love it's they thoroughly enjoyed it and with Colin he didn't he didn't want it to come to an end he wanted to do a Tom Baker and go on for like seven years but he's he is amazed at you know how popular his Doctor has become Mm. through the audios and that there is a new generation of younger fans out there that are coming up to him going oh you're my Doctor so he is so supportive of the program and of the fans. And I think that's probably the nicest experience is to sort of sit down with these actors and let them to sort of discuss their time. And yeah. Yeah, that's been the sort of the, the best part of definitely, it. Definitely, definitely. We've been very, very, really very cool. lucky. Oh, completely, completely. Um, I was going to say, uh, yeah, that's really fabulous to hear because uh, you're right. He has sort of experienced a bit of a renaissance uh, for his doctor, uh, especially, and I always find this really great of Colin that despite the drama I'm aware of that happened during his uh, tenure as the doctor uh, and how he left, that he has been such a gracious ambassador for the series. He's always been great to the fans. And some actors might not have done that. Yeah. Definitely. I say he's, he is so supportive, and he doesn't rush anybody. When you're talking to him, he he listens, and yeah, he's he's such a nice guy. He's very. Yeah. He was really cool with us when we met him too. So, do you have any um, uh, advice or, or tips for uh, displaying or storing your costumes well? Because obviously, that's very important to continue preserving these bits of history. Basically, well, the the room we've got is. Um, completely blacked out. There is no sunlight goes in that room at all. It mainly because I we had a mishap several years ago with um, I had a replica Yoda, and there was a gap in the curtain, so the sun got to his head and bleached his head completely. So one half of him was green, and the other half of him was yellow, and then unfortunately Ooh. he rotted. His face rotted and he got eventually thrown in the bin because there was nothing left of him. So we completely blacked the room out. Um, All the costumes are stored in storage bags. The room is kept as cool as we can get it. 
sometimes in the summer a fan goes into the room to cook to keep it cool and display we found that if you're displaying a full costume display it on a mannequin that has no head or arms so it's pretty much a, a stand with a torso on they look so much better several years ago we had proper mannequins with arms and legs and we had commissioned a, a Romana 2 head and a Colin head so the costumes were set up on these and they just looked a bit goofy I mean they look scary they do look scary we we cleared the prop room out one evening and we're sort of doing a, a spring clean and it's the most bizarre experience to have two naked mannequins one with Colin's head on and one with Lala Wall's head on <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> two naked, you know, a naked doctor and a companion. It's not very good. Yeah, so now we put them on um, like dress dressmakers dummies. Um, I think it works a lot better. Not quite so scary. Agreed, agreed. That's kind of the wrong message we want from Doctor Who, anyway. Certainly classic <laughs> Who. <laughs> well, do you guys? I'm sorry. Do you collect anything outside of Doctor Who? I do. Unfortunately, as much to Chris's sheer hate. Um. <laughs> Just as I was sort of going through sort of um, secondary school, I just happened to be up late one night and caught um, a soap called Prisoner Cell Block H. I don't know if you've ever heard of that at all. I have heard of it, yes. Yeah, so I eventually persuaded Chris through gritted teeth to go out to Australia to a 25th anniversary convention they were doing actually at the studios so I just you know we went in and there was an auction so we purchased a couple of original you know prison officers uniforms and inmate uniforms but then became sort of friendly which is I think my face again um, with some of the cast and we kept in contact and over the years we've been lucky enough to purchase more sort of items from from the series and I mean it's got a big cult following in the UK and in Australia and it did quite well in America so but that's the only thing I've sort of ever ventured into was just collecting the sort of props from from that series you were never tempted on anything uh, American or Blake 7 or anything else like that actually uh, thinking on that we did have a couple of what we think were Blake 7 items we had a we bought a bag it literally was a bag of random stuff the guy we brought it off said, I've got no idea what it's from, but some of it could be from Doctor Who. And we ventured through this bag and found bits of the bus conductor from Greatest Show mm. and what looked like a couple of tabards from Blake 7, according to one collector. So we, I mean, we just got rid of the whole bag at the end because yeah. I was like, I can't, can't deal with this bag of oddness. Um, <laughs> we did have a coat. We had a policeman's coat from Sleepy Hollow at one point. Um, that was quite nice. But no, there's been nothing... I think we've generally focused really on, on Doctor Who, really. Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Who's a lot to focus on. I can totally understand that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am curious, though, since you've been doing it so long, uh, how do you feel things have changed in uh, collecting costumes from the days in the 90s to today? It, it surprisingly has changed a lot because it almost felt when we started collecting that there really wasn't anyone else out there. Like, we'd talk to this guy who we got bits of, and we'd be like, well, we kind of want something from this story, or, or you know, maybe if you could try and find this. They'd just go, oh, yeah, no problem, I'll see what I can find. And generally speaking, the prices weren't really that bad. 
Um, Everything seems know. to have like quadrupled. Now. Yeah, and like everybody, there seems to be a lot more collectors, or at least people out there who want at least one thing original in their collection. Well, Chris, when Chris was at the Bonhams auction, he was, you know, in the in the packed room and overheard a conversation where people were saying, "I don't really want this costume or prop. I'm just going to bid on it for the sake of it, or I'm just going to bid it up just so it goes for more money." I mean, there, there was I'm not. There was one guy who I overheard saying, basically, yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bid on stuff. I'm gonna sit on it for a while, and then I'm gonna sell it on. I'm gonna make a real packet. And I thought, oh, it really has turned into a business now. And you know, it never really seemed to be a business before. It was more like just much more sort of naively, just like just you know, general people collecting. But now it really is all about the money, or at least that's what it seems to be all about the money uh, for certain people. Yeah, because I when we when we met Colin, I said to him, I said, I will never sell your costume. I'm going to be buried in it. And he said, if you die before me, I'm going to dig you up so I can take it <laughs> off and sell it. <laughs> um, I, I'm a believer that costume should go to people that truly appreciate and, and love the costume for what it is or love the character or the show. Um, I understand though, that ultimately for some, it's uh, it's partly a business and uh um, you know, people will trade or, or sell things, and you know that's part and parcel. I get it, but uh, I think it's great when it can end up in the right hands. Yeah, I mean, we've sold stuff and traded stuff because you get to the point where, you know, when Sylvester's costume came up, it was a case of we can't put our hands on money just like that. So you sell things off, you trade things, you know, because you're you're kind of going for something better in the long run. Yeah, you have to get rid of stuff get stuff you know you, you can't just keep on finding money and stuff from nowhere you've got to make sacrifices to get something that you really want so there's a good tip uh be prepared to give up stuff to get better stuff right definitely definitely um do you want to talk a bit about your daleks the uh, now they're, they're replicas or originals no they're both replica um actually they're very lightweight mm. we um we got them from a company down in Devon sort of way and we said to the guy look we're not very happy with your design there were certain bits that you mean the base was too small the slats that kind of go around the dialect were too small the eye stalk wasn't right and we said look can you make these modifications and he was like yeah no problems and he made the mods kept us up to date all the time mm. and yeah, they're really lightweight, and they, they when they arrive, they come in these storage crates, and the guy delivering them was like, what the hell is in these boxes? I was like, Daleks. And he just kind of looked <laughs> at us to say, what? You know, and I actually had to take a crate apart and show him this Dalek that had all been sort of collapsed into each other. They are a lot bigger than you think they're going to be. You think they're going to be large, and then by the time you've actually put them together, you're like, oh no, how the hell are we going to fit two in the room? But, is a plus because you just use them you just fill them with junk <laughs> or at least that's what we've done it's like oh we haven't got any space for this stuff oh that's alright just take off the top of the Dalek and shove it in there oh great okay they have their uses that's so funny because when I watched Doctor Who as a kid and I had to figure out what was what before you know I met the right people to, to fill me in and I saw the crucial episodes that explained stuff, I thought that Daleks were like futuristic trash cans that like attacked people because they got sick of having trash thrown inside them. So that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> that's <a friend. laughs> yeah, they're very, um, as I say, they're quite 
they're all fiberglass, but the um, the main sort of bulk of the Dalek is really is is made quite thinly, so it actually bends, so you can get it through doorways. Yeah, because if it didn't have that kind of little bit of bending, I think you'd have to like unscrew all the all the the balls to be able to get it through normal doorways. You have to screw them all back on. But it's hard work having two Daleks and a TARDIS in in a, in a quite a small room with you know two tet traps, the Seventh Doctor, Ace. Perry, the Sixth Doctor, and everything else. Yeah. And the Muppets. <laughs> They're in there as well. Yeah, you got a couple of Muppets. Muppets? Like the Jim Henson Muppets? Yep. Only replica. Wow, that's great. Only replica. I've got um, Gonzo and Kermit, and I've just had a, um, a Fozzie commissioned, which is being built next month. So I've got a full-size Fozzie bear coming at the end of October. He's going to end up living in the Dalek, I think. Oh, that's too bad. Fozzie was always my favourite. Ah... Uh, <laughs> I'll have to send you a photo of what he looks like. He's absolutely awesome. I can't wait to get him. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Is, is, there, um, is this a private commission or are there people out there that make replica Muppets? Uh, it's a private commission. Yeah, I was quite chuffed actually on that. The only one I've got to get now is Animal. Oh, yeah. Animal. Mm-hmm. I completely understand that. Uh, well, uh, tell me a little about your TARDIS before we wrap up because uh, I think that looks fabulous. That is... Yeah, that was actually... That was a... That was an interesting find, actually. That, yet again, was from eBay. And we went down to the guys that had put on his, on his eBay page, you know, by all means, come and view. So I said, right. So me and Chris went down to view it, and it was based on Tom's last season, season 18. And absolutely gorgeous. So, okay, it's bloody heavy. My God. <laughs> One of the reasons that we, we were looking at it was because he put in the eBay description that it was fiberglass. And we did actually have a, a wooden one before. It wasn't great. We were like, oh, quite like a, a lightweight one. Um, so we went down there thinking, great, it's going to be made of fiberglass. It'll be really light and it'll be easy to move. So if we do like any more fan films, it'll be easy to set up. Got down there, looked in his garden, and we're like, wow, that looks amazing. Went up to him and was like, oh, hang on, this isn't fiberglass. He went, oh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's fiberglass covering this really heavy wood. He <laughs> was like, oh, really? That's, that's great. But, but the, awesome thing with the, <laughs> the awesome thing with the TARDIS, though, was that the guy that actually built it for, you know, that had built this prop, had um, been involved in designing the new series Daleks. So we got to see a new series Dalek before it had anyone. even there for anyone there was yeah. there had been no photos of it hadn't even been on screen yet and this Dalek was sitting in his living room and we were just like oh my god that is amazing and he was like I'm really sorry but you can't take any photos of this yeah you not tell anyone not you know mention it at all like, oh. or you will be exterminated exactly. yeah it was absolutely brilliant that is actually probably saying from the new series I might go for is a new series Dalek design on they are really, really nice. Yeah, I can. I can't blame you. Um, well, I, I think this has been awesome. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Oh, um, um, I think you know, with with the whole collecting thing, is enjoy it. Mm. You know, buy what you want. You know, what you want to get, but enjoy it. It's it's the most amazing experience over the last sort of twenty years, really. And also, never say never. I mean, you know, we never thought that we would have the Two, costumes yeah. that we have. You know, yes, we always thought, oh, one day it would be lovely to to have, you know, Colin's costume or Sylvester's costume, whatever it was. 
But to then actually get it is amazing. So never say never. There is one item out there that you think, oh, I would love that. It might just happen. Yeah, we, we, we're never saying never. Stuff might come up that we want. Have <laughs> we, we not got enough? <laughs> um, you can never have enough. But no, that, there is, well, that's a good you know, matter to have. No, that's right. I mean, there's still stuff out there we want. we just got to hope one day it appears. Well, you guys have been very lucky so far. And I have to say again, thank you for, for giving back to the fandom community so much. Um, I know a number of Doctor Who cosplayers uh, you know, sing your praises because of not only your website and, and the great uh, reference photos, but also for the, the hands-on help you've given to you know Steve Ricks' projects and um, the, the group runs. These uh, ma- magnificent uh, Tom Baker shirts and McCoy sweaters would not be as good as they are without you. So again, salute and thank you because... Some collectors are very private, and okay, I get that, but you guys aren't, and that's fabulous. No, it's always it's always a pleasure to help out where we can, and Definitely. you know, when you next come over, you'll be able to uh, climb into Sylvester's costume or Colin's costume and have lots of photos taken. And oh, wow, uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, I will take you up on that anytime, anywhere. That's fabulous. Uh, definitely. The only thing you can't do is you can't get into Perry's costume because I can't even get my arm into her leg. It's the smallest uh, well, costume okay. ever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember she, she was quite petite when I met her in 93, yeah. Yeah, very, very small. It's actually surprising how small. I mean, we brought a female um, dressmaker's dummy and the costume barely goes on that. And you wouldn't think that actually looking. I mean, you knew she was kind of petite, but you wouldn't think she's that petite. That's funny. I know. So if she's yeah. that petite, I hate to think how small Bonnie is. Yeah. Oh, good point. I didn't think about that. Or even Liz Slayton in her day, she was tiny. Yeah, yeah. So it's it is surprising, you know, that the the female you know sort of characters are tiny. Even the Romana costume was tiny. Yeah. You, know. you could tell that Lala Ward was very slim though in that part. Uh, so I could totally believe that. Um, so yeah, so any, anyway, for all listeners, uh, to find out more, please check out, uh, their website at classicdoctorwhoprops.com. If you want to learn more about, uh, Steve Ricks's, uh, awesome, uh, Six Doctor progress, go to sixdoctorcostume.blogspot.com. I'll be putting up the links for all of these. Um, I'll even add the Six Doctor breakdown for fun, just for the heck of it, although I, I'm planning to talk to some other Six Doctor cosplayers about all that soon. And I guess that about wraps it up. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on. That's right, it's a pleasure. It certainly is. Thank you much, and we'll be back with more Costume Shop Talk next week on Costume Station Zero. 